Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing, my people? Wednesday afternoon, recording a little podcast, reacting to the viral video of Chase Claypool and how that reflects current Bears management. Um, Some piggybacking on the Aaron Rodgers story that just won't die and Robert Sala. Some teams that are basically in, I mean, you can't can't start 0-2, you know, especially if you were a playoff team last year and had high expectations. There's a lot of teams from the Steelers to the Giants to Buffalo Bills to the Seattle Seahawks. They're going to have some pressure on them immediately, right? You, you go into week three and you don't have a win. You got problems. And something I noticed in college football when it comes to Nick Saban, I read an article today that I realized he doesn't get any credit for, at least publicly and nationally, because he gets all the credit for what he's done on the field. But something he did off the field that really changed the sport forever and really for the better. He... he We'll discuss it coming up. So big, big show today. And then, of course, Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and ask your question uh, and get it answered here on the show. Very, very easy to do. The DMs are wide open, easy to slide into. Other than that, the volume.com, you want to get yourself a three and out hat. We got flex fit hats. We have trucker hats. Very, very easy. Just go check out the volume.com, search three and out. You can get some merch. And we've had a lot of podcasts. So if you, if you missed any, we had one. I did one with Colin on Sunday night. I did a podcast Monday night reacting to Rodgers. I did a podcast yesterday talking more about Rodgers. And then we got one today. So, And then we will have one Thursday reacting to the Eagles-Vikings game. And uh, we will talk to Stucky as well, making some gambling picks, as you can tell. DraftKings, brand new sponsor, promo code John. 
get your gamble on. So let's rock and roll. But first, let me tell you about my friends. This Saturday night, I plan on going to watch my Fresno State Bulldogs get their second Power 5 win in three weeks. They beat Purdue week one. They plan on beating ASU Saturday night. And I plan on attending. And the way I plan on attending is my smartphone because I downloaded the Game Time app, who happens to be the official ticketing app of this podcast. And when I downloaded it, I signed up originally back in the day for a pair of spring training tickets. If you want to go to a football game, are you a Swifty and a Chiefs fan? You want to watch the, the most powerful couple right now in America, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift? Well, you can go to both. You can go to a concert. You can go to a football game. You can go to a World Series. You can go to a comedy show. You can do anything with Game Time. Interactive ticketing map tells you all the best prices, all the hottest deals. And when you use the promo code John, that's promo code John, just my name, J-O-H-N, you get $20 off. You can't beat that. $20 off in these inflationary times. Every dollar helps. And get outside, have a good time, enjoy yourself, and do it on us. Download the Game Time app, fastest-growing ticketing app in America, promo code John, and go do something. Okay, I wanted to start with the, the hype machine. And let's face it, the impact of the offseason because of the distance between games can get pretty outrageous, right? And I think we saw it somewhat this offseason with the Chicago Bears. They make a big draft day trade. Their, their general manager is, you know, he, he's willing to say some, some pretty uh, bold comments. He did when he was hired about eventually running the division. He did this offseason about how hard he was working, evaluating the draft. They obviously have Justin Fields, who once upon a time they traded up for, highly touted prospects. Like, the Bears could be good this year. And I think sometimes we talk about GMs in general and what their job is. Like, if you make a good draft pick, right? Like, look at who he found in the second round. Like, the job of a GM encapsulates so many things. First and foremost, it's hiring the coach. Second, it's running the entire roster so that free agency trades the draft. It's not just like, well, he hit on some draft picks. Well, who do you sign in free agency? Has he ever made any waiver claims? Who's he make trades for? And I think sometimes the hype machine with a franchise that feels a little dead, especially a big market franchise. I think you see it sometimes in the NBA, like with the Knicks. People desperately, this year they actually were good, but for a long period of time, like this could be the year. It's like, have you guys looked at their roster? They're not going to be any good. And I'm pretty unbiased when it comes to football. Like if you got a good team, tell you got a good team. And listen, I can be wrong sometimes. We'll see on the, like the Miami Dolphins, but I've never acted like the Miami Dolphins stink. Do I think they're probably closer to a nine win team than a 13 win team? I do, but time will tell. And if I'm wrong, I'll be the first to wave my hand and say, God, I missed that one. Because I love Vic Fangio. I like Mike McDaniel. I just don't quite see it with their personnel on defense. But who knows? Now Aaron Rodgers is gone. Maybe they cruise that division. With the Bears, this one was a pretty easy one for me. Because the hype machine this offseason was outrageous. People were picking. And I love Justin Fields coming out in the draft. But I've loved a lot of players that didn't turn out to be very good. And I've questioned a lot of players that turned out to be pretty good. Right? So... This is the way football works, whether you're a GM or whether you're just a fan sitting on your couch. We all have opinions on football. And then over the course of time, when the games happen, we're either proven right or proven wrong. It's the fun part of watching sports, right? You get to have takes. You get to have thoughts. You get to root for a player. You get to root against a player. Now, GMs have skin in the game, right? They're, they're no different than you. They like certain guys and they dislike certain guys. They just have the power to add them to their team. 
And there was a video that went viral um, over the last 24 hours, and it was of Chase Claypool, a player that the Chicago Bears last year traded a second-round pick that turned out, wait for it, to be pick 32. And this video of Chase Claypool, and once upon a time, I watched a lot of all 22. I spent basically every waking hour in the NFL watching all 22 tape on either college or a lot of time when I worked in the office, professional players. And it can get pretty monotonous and redundant and kind of boring at times because especially when you're just a random scout, you're not spending most of your time watching Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Donald. You're watching a lot of random guys. And Chase Claypool would be a guy that every team in the league this year will evaluate. Why? He's going to be a free agent. And I got a newsflash. The Bears are not going to extend him. This video on Chase Claypool is one of the more embarrassing things you'll see. And this gets back to the organization. You're only as strong as your head coach and your quarterback. And a lot of teams, like, you know, your GM plays a pretty big role in that too. And clearly right now, the Chicago Bears have question mark at quarterback. Very talented individual, but is he a, is he good enough in the passing game? And right now, I think it's more than up in the air that he is. Most people, the evidence we have, he's not. But anytime that you attempt to surround a player, like part of being a GM and part of being that kind of group as the head coach and the GM is having a direct idea and a, uh, a specific idea of the type players you want. Not just from a physical standpoint, right? Height, weight, speed, all that crap. But their football character, how hard they play, how much football means to them, how willing they are to do absolutely everything to improve at their craft. Because once you get to the professional level, if that's your mindset and you have talent, sky's the limit. You make millions of dollars, you become a star, and you become a productive player You know, in the most watched league in, in America. And the Pittsburgh Steelers now have a long history of knowing what they're doing when it comes to personnel departments. They find a lot of gems in the draft, and when they don't work out, if they get rid of a guy, it's usually, to me, a red flag. And Antonio Brown had a six-year stretch, which, just Google his stats, it's one of the best stretches you'll ever see in football history. And then when they were willing, obviously it got weird at the end, and they were trading him. When the Raiders were the team that wanted him, I'm like, this is not going to be a good fit. You don't have the infrastructure. You're not a good team. You're not even remotely close to being ready to win taking in this personality flyer. And even at the time, we didn't know he was remotely as crazy as he was. And it com it completely blew up. He, he was cut before I think he ever played a game. Remember, he showed up in training camp with the burnt feet from the cryo in a uh, hot air balloon. Like, it was, it was batshit nuts. And then a couple days later, he puts out a video on YouTube of his phone call with John Gruden. Well, last year, when the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to put Chase Claypool on the trading block, that should be a giant red flag to any team. Now, I understand, like, this is, it's a very black and white league. You either win or you lose. And you need to acquire talent to win. You can't win with just Johnny Tryhards. That will not, that won't work. Like, look at the best teams in the league. It's Micah Parsons and Trent Williams, right? And Travis Kelsey's and Mahomes. Like, you you need elite guys to, to win in the NFL. And you need elite guys to even just improve in the NFL. And talent, th there's a big difference, right, between guys that are fringe NFL talents and guys that have the NFL, like, high-end physical capabilities. But if you don't like football, 
if you don't care about football and you don't play hard, no one cares. And this video on Chase Claypool, to me, you could argue, well, it's a reflection on Chase Claypool, but he's kind of been this guy for a while. The Steelers knew it, and they couldn't have got rid of him any faster. And for the Bears, a team that aren't even remotely close to being good, to not only bring this guy in, but to play him and trade a second-round pick for him. Like, when you're bad, premium picks mean a lot to you. So a guy like Chase Claypool, if you would be interested, should be a team that's much closer to making the playoffs. Never made sense to me. I Honestly, I thought the trade at the time, this is not playing Monday morning quarterback. But then when this happens, like, there's an old adage by Bill Belichick. You're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. So both the guys, the head coach and the GM, you know, kind of have egg on their face when it comes to this player. Obviously, the GM is the guy pulling the trigger to make this trade, which aged incredibly poorly and was awful at the time, let alone right now, it's even worse. And this is a reflection of the coach because you're either coaching or allowing it to happen, and that reflects you because this is not peewee football. This is the pros. If he's doing that, you got to get him out of the game. And I know it was easy for him to say that everything's on the table and maybe he'll get benched this week. It's too late. Like that is, I I think the Bears are so far away because they don't even have an identity of what they're looking for. If you're willing to do that and that mistake, they're still a year away from being a year away. Whether this Justin Fields thing, which is not headed in the right direction, but this just shows you. And it happens all the time with like, coaching assistants, and it definitely happens in college, the hype machine. And I'm guilty of this. The overall media is guilty of this, is there becomes a hype machine, this coordinator and this, you know, assistant GM. And then you'll talk to a guy for the team. You're like, yeah, this guy's kind of a fraud or yeah, he's actually not that good. Or sometimes they're like, yeah, this guy's a stud. Love him. But when the hype machine grows, there's just no stopping it. And I think this offseason, the hype machine on the Bears was borderline laughable. It, it it really was. And this, I got no agenda here. There's no bias. Just look at their roster. It's not that good. And, and it was dependent on Justin Fields taking a massive step, a massive step just for them to be competitive. And if he's going to play just like he did last year, and then they're going to have stuff like that happened with Chase Claypool, they have no shot. Say what you want about the Packers. Right. And we still unknown. Like, I'm not giving them that much credit in terms of Jordan Love because I think they played one of the worst teams in the league, but they have a clear identity. They know exactly what they're looking for. And they have for a long period of time from Ted Thompson to Gudikins to Ron Wolf. They have consistency in their front office. They're typically pretty aligned with the GM and the head coach. And I thought the Packers' performance on Sunday was just like, yeah, that's an organization that has not only a specific type but they're all on the same page. I, I I think Coward said this, and I agree. Their offense looked disjointed. I'd argue their franchise feels disjointed. And I was critical of the Chargers uh, for having the cheap disease, and that's with the owner. I think the Bears battle this sometimes. There's just a cheapness to their operation. I've known people that have worked there, and it's sad because they're one of the stalwart brands of the league, one of the biggest markets. The Bears, a historic team, uh, but let's face it, for the last 20, for the majority of my life, kind of been pretty average. And offensively, they, they've really, really struggled. And it's not really a secret why they're struggling when you watch a guy like Chase Claypool dog it. Uh, imagine doing that for one of the top coaches in the NFL. Uh, imagine doing that 
for Bill Belichick or Andy Reid or Kyle or Sean McVay or Pete Carroll. That would never be tolerated. That would never be tolerated. And I know you traded a second-round pick for him. You want to draw a line in the fucking sand? Cut that guy on Monday. Because it's not just automatically going to improve. Be one thing if he was a rookie. Guy's been in the league for several years. This is fourth season. He's in a contract year. He's literally playing for money. I mean, you're actually paying him, and his contract's going to end. He's going to try to get an extension somewhere or have someone pay him. That's what you're tolerating? I, I never understand when bad teams don't immediately cut a guy in a situation like that. What do you have to lose? More games? You're probably going to lose them anyway. So I think the Bears have major, major problems. I've always found it funny, and I, and I get why coaches do this, is the quote-unquote next man up mentality, and which is the case for a lot of players when they get injured. If like, you know, uh, your second corner gets hurt or a guard gets hurt, like next man up. But there comes a point when certain players get injured, there just is usually no replacing them. And there are clearly several quarterbacks in the NFL that I don't care who the backup is, it is a a gigantic drop-off and a drop-off that is impossible to bridge the gap, right? There is no, when Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, there is no next man up, Zach. Let's figure this out. Everyone knows the players, Robert Sala can say whatever he wants. And obviously every one of us on the outside, they're screwed at the quarterback position. Now they're not necessarily screwed as a team because they got a really good defense and they got some good running backs. But I go back to the late 90s when Trent Green tore his ACL and Dick Vermeil gave the impassioned speech, Kurt Warner is our quarterback and we will win with Kurt Warner. At the time, do I think he truly believed that? Probably not. But clearly Kurt Warner went on to be a Hall of Famer and it worked out pretty well. You know, when Tom Brady tore his ACL the year after the undefeated season, well, actually didn't end undefeated because they lost to the Giants, Matt Castle came in and they won 11 games. But there is no next man up to Tom Brady, even if it's to Matt Castle. In this situation, I was thinking about it today. If Robert Sala can keep them above 500, like if the dust settles and they go nine and eight or better, I think he probably got to extend them. I, I, I really do because everyone in that building, I, I don't care how optimistic he is, and I'm sure he was when he addressed the team on Wednesday morning. Like he, most teams come to the team meeting to get the you know the game plan before they break up to offense, defense, and the head coach addresses them. Every coach is a little bit different, and every setup of that meeting is, is obviously different. But I, would, I think it's fair to venture to guess that Robert Sala opened the meeting with some positive reinforcement that we're bigger than one guy, that we have a good enough team to compete. The season is not over. We're 1-0. We got a long season ahead. Everyone needs to band together. And, and he's not wrong. Like that message, what else is he supposed to say? But these guys aren't idiots. They know. But if he's able to keep the, you know, and I thought he did an incredible job on Monday night. The team kept playing hard. They just kept themselves in the game. You know, you could argue, and I had people DMing me, like, you're just, you're acting like Josh Allen played like shit. Why not give the Jets defense more credit? Listen, I'll give the Jets all the credit in the world. Two of those interceptions, I mean, threw it right to the DB. One thing, when you break on a route like the third pick by uh, Whitehead, the other two are kind of YOLO throws. Like I don't give you that much credit as a defense for YOLO throws. I do give them a lot of credit just for the pace in which they play, the violence in which they play with, and just the overall quickness and just how good they are. Like I'm, I'm not just arguing that. But I, I do think Robert Sala has a lot on the line this year for a lot to gain 
Because anytime you go through a moment like that, like when do you really learn something about yourself, about people you work with, about your significant other? It's not when times are great. It's when you hit adversity, when shit hits the fan, right? When you, you learn a lot about yourself. I know professionally when I've been fired, you know, when you spend a lot of time in deep thought, when you lose a parent, right? When, when you go through times that you don't wish upon anyone else, that they're not easy, but that's usually your greatest time for growth. And if you can make it through it, and sometimes it's very, very difficult. I don't care what you do, whether it's a personal situation, whether it's a professional situation, you just got to find a way to make it through it. Now, the hard part about football is like you, you can have the right mentality and you can try really hard. If Zach Wilson's going to suck, they're going to be at a huge disadvantage. And we've talked about earlier in the week, like, who should they go get? Like, this is week two. What, what are they supposed to do? You know, he's mentioned today he doesn't ex uh, expect Aaron Rodgers to retire. I don't either. So he's going to come back. You still own a bunch of money. You can't trade for any of these quarterbacks making any coin. You already are giving up a second-round pick next year because of the Rodgers trade. You, you drafted Zach Wilson number two overall. You might as well see if he grew it all this offseason, see what he has for a couple weeks. But you don't have any other options. Like It, it kind of is what it is. It's the reason you trade for Aaron Rodgers. It's the reason this game is so fickle that if your quarterback has a major injury, you're just you're kind of on the sideline. But if he's able to keep it just, you know, the boat above water, which is not going to be easy. I don't care how good their defense is. And Zach Wilson just improves enough to make them competitive. I, I think Robert Sala can earn himself a contract extension, right? Now, it can go the other way, and we could argue they could win six games, and it could be just, you know, every game tightly contested, kind of like last year, but even, even closer. And you go, God, that's still pretty impressive. And I'd agree, right? But I don't know, you know. And it wasn't his fault. It was no one's fault that Aaron Rodgers got hurt. I, I don't quite understand. And I saw Diana Rossini say that Aaron didn't love some of the blocking schemes with the cut blocks of the defensive linemen. I didn't get why they were going five wide, four wide, and in the shotgun. Just get under center and run the ball early in the game. Just establish your toughness. But that's kind of irrelevant now because they didn't, and they lost their quarterback to a torn Achilles. So that next man up is, is so easy to say when it's a random guy. And then, like, Aaron Donald goes down. You're like, next man up! Like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> like, he's 10% of the player? Micah Parsons goes down, right? A.J. Brown goes down. Like, th there is 20, 30 non-quarterbacks in this league that I laugh in your face. Travis Kelsey hurts his knee before week one. Like, good luck supplementing that, right? I don't care how long the bulldozer and Noah Gray have been around the Chiefs. There's no replacing Travis Kelsey. It's impossible. Just like there's no replacing Chris Jones up with his two mob buddies who orchestrated one of the worst holdouts in league history. And uh, yeah, I just, I'm fascinated to watch. I don't necessarily want to watch the Jets. Like I'm not that interested really in watching Zach Wilson. I just want to follow the team, right? I, I don't have to watch. I was really, I think the shittiest part about this is if you love football, you're just like, I just want to watch Aaron Rodgers, New Jersey play. Like, I, I don't care at all about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But when Tom first got there, it was impossible to not be glued. And that's what Aaron was bringing to the table. Now I'm just interested in kind of following the story uh, and not having to be glued to every one of their snaps. Okay, I, I think uh, after week one, if we think you're going to be a good team or a competitive team, a playoff-level team, you know, we have long heard the stats of being 0-2 in the league. The, the percentage chance of making the playoffs, I think it's close to 10%. It's a little skewed because now we got the seventh team, right? We have the added wild card spot. 
And that's only been going now for what, two years. So we have a small sample size, but it's clear. Like if you start 0-2, you are at a huge disadvantage and your margin for error is very, very small because you're really staring, right, two and five in the face and you could play well. So I I, I picked some teams this week that I think kind of got to draw a line in the sand. And I saw Trent Williams had a quote about the Steelers is early on in that game, once the Niners took the lead, the Steelers went three and out basically every drive to the final drive of the first half. He said by about the third drive, he was so tired because they got no rest. He was rooting for the Steelers just to get a first down. So instead of running three plays, they ran like six or eight just so he could catch a breather. Now, he was not saying that like he's not being mean or anything. He's just honestly saying I was exhausted. It was crazy how fast our defense was going on the field and coming right off. That was an embarrassing performance. Like it for all the Tomlin games I can remember in recent memory, that was about as gutless of a performance. It's one thing to lose the 49ers. They're better than you. No big deal. It's another thing to just get curb stomped like they did. And this week, they're playing the Browns at home. I, I like the Steelers in this spot, but I, I, I definitely am a little nervous <laughs> on, and I said this all week, uh, my preseason thoughts on them. If they don't show and bounce back, I'm probably out on them. Like they'll have their classic start slow and then somehow get to eight, you know, nine wins and not be under 500, but they already have some major injuries. Hayward, team captain forever, he's out. Deontay Johnson's injured. This is kind of must. I don't want to say it's must win territory because obviously you still have 15 games left, but you you get beat by a divisional opponent at home and you get curb stomped by the Niners. I mean, are, are we finally looking at a team that's under 500 after all that hype? And again, I'm guilty of it. Uh, they better win this week. Seattle. Until I looked at the schedule early Wednesday morning, I was thinking, listen, I rewatched Seattle. I, I really watched it for the first time. I had it on. If you got four games on your TV, it's fun and you can consume a little bit at a time, but it's not the same of just watching a game. Like I had the charger in the afternoon slate on week one. I got two TVs were in my office and on the big TV, I'm like 60 incher. I had the four TV box and then the little TV, like the 40 incher. I just had the chargers dolphins. So I had four games going on one and chargers dolphins going on the other. It's way easier to follow the Chargers Dolphins game on just the one TV than it is the four box game. So I love doing it, but in terms of this show and feeling confident about what I'm talking about, it is difficult to watch and just have like strong takes on the four box situation. So I, I watched the Rams Seattle game and Seattle had the lead. They were up 13 to seven at halftime. And then the second half, the Rams, a bunch of their random guys played really well. When I say random, like young mid-round picks were making plays left and right. And Matt Stafford was awesome. And Seattle got worked in the second half. Like McVay kicked the shit out of Pete. He, he really did. He got him on a fourth down play call for a touchdown that Akers walked into the end zone. It, it was a coaching mismatch in the second half. It, it really was. Seattle plays the Lions this week. And the Lions are coming off a long week where because it's week one, I don't know if they're really going to be in the position where they're kind of feeling themselves, right? And the other thing is, and I don't agree with this, anyone trying to diminish the opening game because Chris Jones was in the stands and Kelsey was, you know, in, in street clothes texting Taylor Swift. 
I don't buy into that. A win's a win. This is this is football. You only get so many games. This isn't, you know, the NBA where guys rest every other game. Like, this is, the Chiefs are hard to beat. I don't give a shit who's playing. If Andy's coaching and Mahomes is the quarterback, that's a good win. But I think the Lions, and they mentioned this during the broadcast, like, season tickets are sold out. The buzz coming into this season is an all-time high, as it should be. I think that place is going to be going bananas. You know kind of what primetime has brought to Colorado? I think you're going to sense a little bit of NFL version of that with the Lions. This is not going to be an easy spot for Seattle. Now, Seattle's got a lot of good players. but And honestly, Geno, his stat line was worse. The eye test, he wasn't as bad. Like watching the game, he was. I didn't. I know if you just go to the box score, it does not look great. He did not look like some scrub. But Seattle better find a way to win this game, man. Because if they don't, with how hard the schedule is, the NFC West, they haven't played the 49ers yet. They've already lost the Rams. The NFC West plays the NFC East. And so they still got to play the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Giants, and they play the AFC North. All of a sudden, that could be one of the swing teams is like Seattle's out of the playoffs and, you know, some new random NFC team is in. So that's, that is a massive game. Now, a game on paper that is a massive mismatch, regardless of what happened last weekend. The Giants have no excuse. They, they really don't. They're coming to Arizona. Uh, if you are a playoff team, you win this game. And honestly, you should win this game by 10 plus, especially after that absolute shellacking that the Cowboys. That's the Steelers were embarrassed. The, the Cowboys made the Giants look like a JV team. And for a team that had so much hype that won a playoff game, won a road playoff game, to have that happen to you at home, I don't care if the Cowboys are a lot better than you. That's unacceptable. And clearly anyone that's not a Daniel Jones guy, and I don't blame you if you're not a Daniel Jones guy, everyone was shitting on him this week. Every single person was, and rightfully so, because they're paying him a lot of money. Anytime you get paid a lot, the criticism, the microscope just increases. Everyone's paying closer attention to you. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch that play out. The last but not least team, like, listen, I was not one of those people that like, you know, I can see Buffalo coming back to earth. As long as they got Josh Allen, I'm chalking them up as a playoff team. But that version of Josh Allen, they'd have major problems. And I'm not saying I'm on the Raider bandwagon yet, but I, I, I've been pretty bullish on the Raiders this preseason. They just feel, I don't know, more cohesion. Maybe the coach feels a little more comfortable with a quarterback that knows what he wants, even though Jimmy is every bit the roller coaster as Derek Carr. Uh, you know, they get rid of some players. They add some guys on defense. Even the Chandler Jones situation last week, which – we don't even really have details. Did he just go nuts? Did they say something to piss him off? He clearly is not around the team. He wasn't at the game. Uh, he was going to be their starting pass rusher opposite Max Crosby, who might not even need an opposite pass rusher because he was ruining McGlinchey. I think Buffalo, you talk about must win. You lose your first two games, and you lose your second game at home to the Raiders. There is tangible pressure, not just on the Bills, but Josh Allen to just play dramatically better than he did the other night. Okay, last but not least, I, I read this article today on The Athletic about the rise of the GM in college football. And when I got hired in the NFL, by my second year, we hired a guy named Ed Manowitz. And he was the director of player personnel, which is essentially the GM of Alabama football. And they had won a couple national championships. And he really, him, he had worked for Nick Saban, revolutionized the position in college football because historically the main difference 
Obviously, in college, players pick you, and in the NFL, you pick the players. But one of the main differences in a coaching staff in college and the pros is in the pros, your scouts are scouts, not the coaches. In college, your scouts are your coaches. They're your recruiters, right? They're equivalent to your road scouts. They go to the high schools and help you recruit and find players and work with your head coach who is essentially the GM as well because he's the guy who has final decision-making pl- uh, power on every player on the roster to on who to sign and who to recruit. Well, once Ed and Saban really created this position in 09, 2010, 2011, so many of Saban's coaches started spreading throughout college football. And because of the success Nick was having, many consider him the greatest college coach of all time, Everyone copied what he did. And what he did was build a personnel department. So he essentially had a GM, and then he would take students or student assistants and train them to work with different coaches in different positions. So they would basically have an operation. And this article on The Athletic basically talked about every team now has a GM. And these GMs around college football are making $250,000, $400,000. And they are in charge of the transfer portal, high school recruiting, working with their coaches, going throughout the country. My buddy Derek, who works at Florida State, who is the GM of Florida State, has like a team of 15, 20 guys working under him. And before the last couple of years, historically, Florida State for being a power program, was actually one of the lower budget in terms of some of their recruiting resources relative to like the Clemsons, the Alabamas, and the Georgias. Now, all these, if you're a power five program and you not only not have a GM or a director of player personnel, but you don't have a staff of at minimum 10 people, give or take, you are way behind the times. In this article, Steve Sarkeesian talked about hiring a guy that he needed someone with experience and he plucked a guy from a different program. Lane Kiffin did that. Georgia did that. They all have these. The guy that originally hired me at Fresno State has been in Oklahoma in that position with Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley, and now Brett Venables, Drew Hill. And their job, and now it's clearly expanded with the transfer portal, is operating just like you do in the NFL. When I worked in the NFL, my first job was evaluate a couple teams, keep an eye on the practice squad, run the boards of any guy that's cut. Well, now these personnel departments, it's not just high school recruiting. If you talk to any of these GMs, and I'm lucky enough to know them, any starter who enters the transfer portal in Division I football, we put a grade on, right? Hell, I, Florida State took a D2 player. So you're keeping an eye on absolutely everybody. If a guy plays at a Division I program, you're putting a great, you're getting eyes on him. And if he's decent, you're, you're put, giving him up to the position coach, the coordinator, or the head coach. And the only way you can keep track of all this shit, because you obviously still have to high school recruit, you obviously during the season have to game plan for your opponents. There's a lot going on. It's why in in the NFL, there is no chance. It's why it was so stupid whenever these coaches would try to be coach GM. It's impossible. Now, there's one thing about like having decision-making power, but you need a GM. You need personnel people. And I think these college coaches realized it because they all copied Nick Saban that this is the only way to operate. It's the only way possible to be competitive. And I think Nick Saban, for all the credit he deserves on the field, having this dynasty in the internet era, kicking the shit out of everyone he played over, you know, 15 year span, winning all the championships, 
even as bad teams are winning 10, 11 games, I think something that he'll never get enough credit for is changing the landscape of college football in terms of personnel departments and in terms of essentially bringing an NFL front office to every team in you know Power 5 football. Because in the next 10 years, these GM positions in college football, I would imagine all the big boys are paying over 500 grand. I mean, they are great jobs. You actually have more juice than most people have in the NFL. Like, ultimately, if you're a college scouting director, it's an awesome job. But, you know, you got to go to your GM who then has to work with his coach. Like, in college, you are the right-hand man of the head coach. You're essentially, the. I mean, you are technically a lot of people call themselves the GM. But the closer you get to your head coach, like, he leans on you. Now, it goes on his resume if you pick a guy that's not any good. But you get to have a lot of juice that you might not get in the NFL. So, we talk so much about Nick Saban on the field, but off the field, he's been just as impactful in college football. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use the code JOHN, J-O-H-N, to sign up. New customers can bet $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21+. plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. 
So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's dive into a little thing we call the Middlecoff Mailbag. At John Middlecoff, Instagram, DMs wide open. I have a million DMs, so if I don't get to yours, you know, if I'm ever to skip yours, it is not intentional. I apologize. It's hard. Uh, the, the way Instagram and my man Zuck has this thing, when you get as many just, you know, and I get a lot of repeat DMers, that there's not a way like on an email or an Excel spreadsheet to really categorize it. So if I ever miss you, I apologize. I appreciate everyone who slides in. Start with Patrick. I know Aaron Rodgers is a very positive person and I'm cheering for him. However, I'm in the Navy and part of a very select and special community. I blew a tendon out in my foot at 40. Full reconstruction. To expect a 40-year-old to recover from that and be close to what he was, well, I had the best nutritionists, therapists, and doctors the U.S. military, many who came from pro sports, offers. And I have yet been able to pivot or balance on that foot. Cheering for him and wish him the best, but I'm afraid reality isn't kind. I don't want to be negative here, but, and obviously I'm not in a very special community. Uh, us podcasters, we can't be considered a special community, though we are a little community. I'm, I'm in a bald brotherhood, though. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think this is, age is a huge factor here. It, it really is. And I, I mentioned this the other day, but hearing Marino talk and clearly medicine and the procedures have changed or improved I think age is a, is a massive, massive factor, right? It's one thing, and we've all known people. The older you get, you'll realize your parents, your friends' parents, older colleagues will get the knee replacement, the hip replacement, whatever. Just and so, uh, They're not even pro athletes. They, they just need it. And they're fine. And I, I think sometimes we don't realize those people and even just older former athletes that get the replacements or, you know, knee surgeries, they don't have to play pro sports anymore. So the other reality with Rogers is that like, you could tell, like he's clearly slower than he once was. Of course he is. He's 39, not 30 years old. So I I tend to be with you. I I think it's a, it's a devastating injury. It, It really is to a guy of that age. That's the crazy part about Brady. You know, really from 40 to 45, as he aged, he never really have, he never had significant injuries. What up, brother? Have a bone to pick with these NFL broadcasts. The networks zoom in so much that you can't see half the play develop, especially in the drop back game. All 22 from the sideline or end zone would be a better viewing experience. Does this bother anyone else or just me? 
The simple reality is that this has always been the way they've done it, right? It's why when you hear coaches talk, I have to watch the tape. Now, they're obviously not watching on TV. They're watching on the sideline. But until you watch the All-22, you don't. it's impossible to be a scout and scout off TV. I mean, you can gain some stuff, but the All-22 tape is dramatically different than the TV copy. The TV copy is really just entertainment. <laughs> you know, the broadcast, the the where the ball is, that's all that matters. No one actually cares. Well, excuse me, you do, and I'm sure some people would, but I don't think they're changing a formula, which Newsflash is working pretty well in, in terms of TV with the NFL. But I, I hear you. Love the pod. Let's say in fantasy football world, the Jets make the playoffs with Zach Wilson as quarterback. Where does that leave the Jets next with the decision of rolling with Wilson going forward or turning the team back over to Rodgers? Do you think Wilson would have to win at least a playoff game or the Jets to turn the page from Rodgers? Well, there's no turning the page from Rodgers. I mean, this is we talked about this the other day. When you pay massive contracts to these quarterbacks, you amortize the cap numbers, right? That's why you saw recently like the Niners restructured contracts, all that's essentially doing is pushing money back to impact the salary cap in the short term, making more space. So part of Aaron Rodgers is his cap hits. I don't have his contract up, but it's over a several year period of time. And his contract is not small. So it's, you can't just, even if he's, even if he's never the same, like those guarantees are the guarantees. It's why injury and play guarantees, teams try to separate it out. Right. And that's where this gets very, very complicated. The, the Jets are in, trust me, if, if they make the playoffs with Zach Wilson, they will take that and, and run with it. That they would, they would happily make the playoffs and figure out the consequences of their quarterback situation next year. Obviously, Coward is a big influence on you since going to the sports media route. What other personalities would you consider an influence? Still loving the pod. Well, I, I listened to, like a lot of people my age growing up on the West Coast. Now, he was a national show, but I love Jim Rome. I listened to Jim Rome in high school and, and in college before I ever knew who Colin was. I, I would say him and D Dan Patrick, obviously, are just people that I've listened to. I don't listen to Dan as much, but I, I definitely did when I was young. I would say Rome. And D I, I've always been a huge, huge sports radio guy. I mean, Rome, when I was young, was huge. Obviously, once you, I, ex like most people, probably found Colin through ESPN. Uh, one of my favorite shows ever was Rosillo and SVP. And Dan was just, I mean, such a star. His radio show having Reggie Miller and Charles Barkley calling in. You know, it's just, those were special radio days for sure. Obviously, Rosillo still does essentially radio. He's got one of the biggest podcasts and I think Dan Patrick and Scott Van Pelt kind of share this like uh, kind of relatability for famous guys, uh, and they're just they're just an easy listen. I think what makes Colin so special is most people I hang out with like we're talking business, like we're talking sports, we're talking our you know our personal lives, or we're talking business. And and Colin was the first radio host, and even still to this day that like can integrate business and money and just real life stuff. Obviously his analogies, but his takes with finances were like, let's face it. Most of the media, they all think alike. 
and, and most of them are kind of anti-business. And that's what that's what like that's what makes Dan, Patrick, and Scott, you know, they they don't feel like you know the group think media. They're just themselves. Right. And, and Jim was kind of like a renegade when he was young. And Collins probably the smartest, most talented, just so like he doesn't need interviews. He can just he can just hammer out takes. And uh, one thing that I've definitely gained from him over the in the last four or five years is just not worrying about like part of this job. You're going to say things. Who gives a shit if people hate you or disagree on the Internet? It's completely irrelevant. Everything on Twitter is completely irrelevant. And it used to not be when I was younger and I started in radio. And I think Colin's the best at it, completely unfazed by all that stuff. And I've I've gained calluses just by watching the way he operates. I'm like, God, if he can be unfazed, like why why am I worked up over some guy with seven followers saying mean things to me on the internet? And uh you just just say what you think. And if in two days it might change. Like this is it's sports, it's fluid, things change. All the time. My opinions are constantly changing. And that's that's definitely one thing I, I've gained from him. But I, I love, you know, I, I listen to a lot of financial podcasts. So I, I enjoy that aspect of the world. And obviously, I love football and just sports in general, but football and golf. And I, I try to cross, you know, bring those two together like him. I'm not as smart as him. I'm sure he reads a lot more than I do. I'm more of an audiobook guy. You talked last episode about the arrow pointing up for the Jets with Rodgers under center, and it's like the arrow went up in flames. I'm curious what your thoughts are steadying the ship with a trade for another team's strong backup. This team seems good enough to grab a playoff spot if they have a serviceable quarterback. I, I don't even think it's really an option, though. Like, a, a strong backup? Like, who's one of the best backups in the league? A guy that's played a lot? Like, Mariota's not. Sam Darnold's played a lot, but he was already on the Jets. They're not going to go back to that well. Um, some young guys, I, I, I just don't I don't see their options. I, I think you just got to figure it out with Zach Wilson. I, I mean, I, I really do. And when I say figure it out, just if he can keep the train on the tracks, great. And if he can't, I don't think anyone's going to blame you. But this is just a, it's a situation that is almost unfixable. There, there's not a fix. The fix literally has torn Achilles. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was the fix, right? So it's like, I don't know what to tell you. If, if the, you know, that, that was the move. That, that's why this whole thing is so devastating. There's usually not a contingency plan for the contingency plan. And that was Aaron Rodgers was your pivot away from the Zach Wilson situation. It's what makes sports really what it is. I've only listened to half. Anyways, Jets and the quarterback debacle. What about Wentz? He's mobile. I think we talked about him the other day. Is that Joe Douglas was in Philly when he was around. I, I just, I, I don't see that really as being an option. That's just one of those situations that he's already experienced it. He's got the inside information. You know, I heard some stories about people who were in the backup quarterback market doing some due diligence on Wentz and they were turned off. I'll just put it that way. And he's clearly good enough as a player, but you, you can't have your backup quarterback being that big of a distraction. I was talking to a neighbor who played college ball and played with future NFL players. He said that players get paid via paycheck every Tuesday or Wednesday after necessary taxes were taken out, depending on where they play. 
Is it true that players get paper checks every week? I found that shocking when I heard it. I think back in the day, they got checks. I mean, there was a famous story about, I think Ricky Henderson had a million-dollar check in his locker, and they found it like two years later. I'm pretty sure in 2023, you get direct deposits, right? But you are paid most players. I guess you can set it up differently, but throughout the season, so 17 weeks. And uh, that's typically how it operates, right? You're, you're paid throughout the season. And uh, and yeah, direct deposits, I think in 2023. I, I don't think they're receiving checks. Maybe some organizations still potentially do that, but I that seems crazy to me. I would be shell-shocked if the overwhelming majority of players don't get their payments. You know, in, in golf, I think they call it Wad Wednesday. That's after you, you know, you play a golf tournament, ends on Sunday, and the payout comes Wednesday, and they call it Wad Wednesday. That's, that's also about a Wad of cat. You're paid in a direct deposit. If the Raiders beat the Bills next week, will we have to talk about them as a playoff contender? 100%. They'd have two road wins against AFC opponents they would be in fantastic position. And let's face it, the Raiders do have high-end players. Max Crosby, pro bowler. Devontae Adams, baller. It's like I stopped there. Like, they got another guy. Colton Miller, uh, Josh Jacobs. I mean, they have... I mean, last year, they lost so many tight games that they were leading. They blew lead after lead after lead. And one thing's clear. Josh McDaniels likes Jimmy Garoppolo a lot more than Derek Carr to run his offense. Now, how will that go as time... You know, will Jimmy stay healthy? Only time will tell. But I, I mentioned earlier, there is a ton of pressure on the Bills. You you can't start the season 0-2. You can't start the season 0-2. Not to a Rogerless Jets and then the Raiders at home. You could argue no team, at least if the Steelers lose, you know, hell, maybe the Browns are like a 12-win team. Seattle lose the Lions. Well, what if the Lions are a 12-win team? Buffalo, I obviously the Giants can't lose and go 0-2 to the Cardinals. I don't think Buffalo can lose the Raiders, even though I think the Raiders are obviously better than like the Cardinals. After watching the Monday night game, I'm surprised people aren't talking about how volatile the entire Bills organization seems. Allen and McDermott look like they had played a grueling full season after losing the DeMar thing last year. Obviously, the Diggs dynamic, Leslie Frazier walking away, he was fired, and the McDermott heat. They've had a ton of shit going on. Seems to be there's zero stability in the building. They're easily a top three team that can have this thing blown up if they don't at least get to the AFC title game. Thoughts? I Blow up would be strong. I, I could see some big moves getting rid of digs. I have a hard time if they make the playoffs seeing them getting rid of Sean McDermott. Like, who are their options? But you never say never. Obviously, their owners have a lot of money. Uh, they're under a lot of pressure given that they got a franchise quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's just a lot of pressure. I think there's a lot of pressure on you whenever you have a star quarterback to win every single year, right? That There is no guarantee year to year. Every season matters, especially once you start paying a guy 40, 45, 50 million dollars. So they're not alone. There's a ton of pressure on the Chargers. There's a ton of pressure on the Bengals. They're, once they pay Trevor Lawrence, there's going to be a ton of pressure on Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. It's just the nature of the beast. Like, there's a ton of pressure on the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, ton of pressure on the Giants, Daniel Jones. Like, the only reason the Chiefs, who I'm telling you internally, just feel pressure because it's football, but, like, they've won a couple Super Bowls. Every other team, like, every other contending team, think about it. That's what makes this kind of unique. 
is like in the 2000s. Like once Peyton won a Super Bowl, you had Peyton and Brady. You had a couple guys that won Super Bowls, and Drew Brees won one, then Rodgers won one. Like all these guys had a championship. Well, beside Mahomes, think about his contemporaries. Allen, no. Burrow, no. Hurts, no. Dak, no. Lamar, no. A lot of those guys haven't even sniffed a Super Bowl appearance. Beside Joe Burrow, like Allen hasn't been there. Obviously, Lawrence hasn't been there. Lamar hasn't been there. Hertz has and had a pretty devastating loss. Was not his fault. But so you start looking at Dak hasn't sniffed the NFC Championship game yet. Yeah, I, I just think anytime you start paying guys, there's just there's just pressure. Pressure builds, man. You, you kind of feel it when you're watching these teams. What would the Lions need to do to be considered a serious contender in the NFC? Some people look at them that way, but some still look at them as the same old Lions. I don't know how you could look at them like the same old Lions. They went 9-8 and eight last year, right? They're 1-0. So th- they're above 500 in their last 18 games. And if they win this week, they would be 11-8. and eight. You start stacking up wins like that, like they're clearly trending. They have a core group of high-end players. They're good at the main positions, offensive line, defensive line. They have impact skill guys. That young running back they drafted, looks like he's got a chance to be a stud. Their quarterback is very solid. It looks like their coaching staff is pretty good. So are the Lions as good as like the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Niners? I would I would pump the brakes there. But do they have a chance to be the fourth best NFC team? For sure. Think of that. Think about that. If the Niners win the West, if the Cowboys or Eagles win the East, and the other one's the wild card. So th- those are your top three teams. Who's in contention to be the fourth team? The Giants? I thought they would, but they they need a couple games to get their you know their their swag back. Uh, the South, like the Saints, I I think the Lions have a chance to be the fourth best team in the NFC. And if you're the fourth best team, that means you can win a playoff game, and that would be an incredible season. Obviously, any a lot of you guys asking about these quarterback trades, I, I just I don't think they exist. I, I really don't. I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy here, but they're just you're not going to trade for a good quarterback. The last time a uh, emotional trade happened. Let's face it, it was a bad trade. And it was when Minnesota lost Teddy Bridgewater to the injury and they traded for Sam Bradford. You typically don't want to make moves out of desperation. You want to make moves because you really like a guy. And you're like, okay, we'll get aggressive to land him. Like last year with Christian McCaffrey. The Niners really liked him. The Rams also liked him. The Rams were offering a second and third, and the Niners were like, we'll give you a second, third, and a fourth. The Rams were like, I think the Rams didn't have a fourth, so they couldn't match the offer. But it wasn't really desperation. It was just two teams that liked the player a lot. I think the Bradford move, and I'm sure that's not, I think the Browns move. Now we'll see, because Deshaun was a good player, but that was pretty desperate when they gave him all that money. Is that the smart way to do business? I would say historically in any industry, desperate deals usually backfire. Uh, how's it going, brother? Quick question. How much better do you think Brock Purdy could get? Has he even hit a ceiling yet? Or do you think he'll come back down to earth sooner than later? I think he's a really good player right now. So I think if he can just sustain this level of play, I think he's a top half starter in the NFL. And given what the talent around him, McCaffrey, Debo, IU, Kittle, they got several other running backs. Jawan Jennings a good player. And his play caller, yeah, he's got a chance to be really good. He's mobile. He's accurate and he's mobile. He does not have a great arm. Like, that's really the knock on him. He's not 
I, I would not say he has an explosive arm, but his understanding of the offense, he gets rid of the ball fast. He knows where he wants to go with it so he can lead guys. Like he's never going to make plays that like Josh Allen makes or Herbert. He doesn't have that in the bag, but he gets, he's able to kind of get around that with his smarts. And he's, he's actually a really, really instinctive little scrambler. It's, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Seventh round pick, who's that good? And it makes you think, like, are there other guys in the NFL right now, and definitely in the history of the league, that were just late round picks that weren't lucky enough to have injuries in front of them that just never got a chance to play? That's the crazy part about the sport of football is all these other positions, like if you're a good D lineman, you're eventually going to play, rotate in, and establish yourself. Same with a wide receiver, same with most positions. Because most positions have so many options, right? You can rotate safeties. You can rotate wide receivers, running backs. At quarterback, if you're a late-round pick, depending on where you go, you might never get the shot. Hell, Tom Brady was the fourth quarterback his rookie year. And then he worked his way up. But if it wasn't for Bledsoe getting KO'd, who knows? Right? Brock Purdy, to become the starter, needed a shattered ankle and a broken foot to even just get a shot. So th- th- there's a huge, it's a good life lesson, man. We all need a little luck. Kurt Warner, once upon a time, was dude was bagging groceries. He never starts for that Rams team if Trent Green doesn't tear his ACL. Matt Castle doesn't become a multimillionaire if Tom Brady's knee doesn't get ripped up. So you, you just need a quarterback. If you are a backup, you need a guy to get injured or a guy to suck, which is completely out of your control to even just get an opportunity. And then we know a lot of guys that get an opportunity don't ever actually make anything of it. But yeah, just uh incredible story. Mr. Irrelevant to starting quarterback for arguably the best team in the NFL. Can't make that up. It's what the NFL has in the bag that really no other sport has. Mr. Irrelevant, starting quarterback, San Francisco 49ers, powerhouse. His second year in the league. Crazy. Appreciate everyone listening. We'll have a podcast out uh, Friday morning. We will be reacting. Football's already back. We got Eagles, Vikings, Cousins, Hurts, opening game at the link. Uh, Play should be wild. Amazon Prime, streaming. So we'll have a lot to talk about come, um, come Thursday night after the game. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.